Well, today we're beginning a brand new series over the next three weeks uh, that kind of coincides with our 21 days of prayer. My favorite time uh, every year in our church is in January and August during our 21 days of prayer because it's just a season to see God do so many incredible things in our life as a church, personally, in our marriages, in our families. And so every January we do 21 days of prayer. And the reason we do it in January is we do it right after the holiday season because I don't know what it is about the holidays, but it's like we just check out spiritually during the holidays. We get so caught up in all the Christmas activities that we stop reading our Bible every day. We stop praying the way we need to be praying. And so as a church, we want to we create a season that kind of calls us back to our spiritual disciplines and helps us get re-engaged. And the same thing happens in the summer. Like during the summer, we just kind of check out. We, 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 we you know, get on vacation mode and holiday mode. And so we have this 21 days to kind of bring us back. And what's really cool is Monday to Friday, we meet at 6.30 a.m. for one hour right in this building, and then Saturdays at 9 a.m., and this is a prayer meeting designed for guys, because I don't know about you, but growing up, prayer meetings were not something I looked forward to as a guy, because I, I, I kept envisioning these, the, these visions of sitting around a circle with a bunch of guys holding hands, and everyone had to pray, and it just kind of went around the circle, and I was like, I don't like holding hands with guys. It's just not, you know, it's, it's just not who I am, and so one of the commitments I've made as your pastor is you're never going to hear me say, grab hands with the person sitting next to you. Because I grew up in a church where the pastor was always asking us to hold hands, and I always ended up sitting next to some guy, and I hated holding hands with guys. I like holding hands with my wife, but I don't like holding hands with guys. And so I just you know, made a commitment that as a pastor, I'm never going to ask you to hold hands with another man if you're a man. Uh, I'm just not going to do it. And it's not going to happen in our prayer meetings. It's not going to happen in our church. And so one of the things we do in our prayer meeting is we turn the lights down really low. We turn the music up really loud. We've got worship videos going. And for the hour, you can just do whatever you feel like you're doing. You can walk, you can sit, you can find a corner, you can you know, sit in the chairs, kneel, come to the stage. We've got prayer guides and prayer cards. And it's just a chance for you to just kind of come in with a room full of people and, and, and be anonymous, yet also be with a group of people and meet with God. And so I want to encourage you, even if you you only have five minutes on your way to work, stop by for five minutes and join us just for five minutes. You know, if you can stay the hour, great, stay the hour. But if you only have five minutes on your way to work, just come in here between 6.30 and 7.30 a.m., spend a couple minutes with us. It's a great way to start your day, and it's a way that our church can come together corporately and really pray together to see God do something powerful in our church and in our families and our careers and businesses and Every other way. And then Saturdays, the prayer meeting is at 9 a.m., and we have child care available every Saturday for the next three weeks so that, so that for those of you with young children, if you want to be at prayer, we'll have child care available Saturdays for the Saturday prayer meeting. And then if you're not able to come and join us for whatever reason, maybe you've got young children at home, wake up at 6.30 and just join us at home. Turn on some worship music, get out your Bible, and just pray with us at home, just when we're praying here, and just just let it be a corporate time every August where we just get together for 21 days and really seek God and believe God for his best. Because one, one of the secrets to our church, we've seen a lot of incredible things in our church over the last couple of years, growing from 
You know, when I got here uh, three years ago, we had two services. Now we have four services. We're about to launch our fifth service Sunday nights at five o'clock at the end of this month because we're already outgrowing Sunday morning and we need to make room. We need to make space. And we're seeing God really do some amazing things in the life of our church. And, and honestly, you know, the human side of me would love to take credit and say, man, look at us. We're doing great. But the truth is, there's nothing special about us. I mean, we're not doing any marketing, any advertising. We don't send out any postcards. Everything that's happening here is happening because of God, and it's happening because of prayer. You know, we started prayer meetings and our church began to grow. I'd, I'd love to say it's, you know, some, we're brilliant leaders and we figured out, you know, some great strategy. Honestly, we just prayed. I mean, we just began to pray and really seek God with all of our hearts and the whole church began to grow. And so prayer is really the secret of who we are. It, it's, our, it's, it's our commitment as a church. I feel like it's our number one responsibility as a church. That's why every service we talk about the prayer cards because we want to pray for people. We take that very, very seriously that people, and, and I read the prayer cards this week, they're facing some, some pretty intense challenges in their life and we need to meet with God on behalf of people and really ask God to show up in some people's lives. Uh, our whole small group system, you know, we're, we're a church of small groups. We believe church happens in small groups. Well, one of the hubs of our small group, we have, we have eight hubs or, or eight categories that all of our small groups fit into, men, women, youth. Uh, one of them is prayer because we are committed to prayer as a church family. And so if all of that is true, we're seeing God do incredible things in the life of our church because of prayer, and, and that's all true then the thought that I want to I present you today is what would your life look like if you built it on prayer? What would your marriage look like if you built your marriage on prayer? What would your business and your career look like today if you really bathed it in prayer and you built it on a foundation of prayer? And so what we want to do is we want to adopt a rally cry as a church, kind of a rallying thought, a rallying cry for our church, and it's simply this, pray first. Pray first, that in everything that we do, we pray first. Like prayer is the very first thing. Like when we wake up in the morning, the very first thing we do before we get out of bed, before we even, you know, put our feet on the floor, the very first thing we just look up to God and say, dear God, I'm so glad to spend this time with you right now. I, I just want to invite you to be a part of my day. I want you to guide me and lead me today and bless me today. And I, I want to just live for you. What, what would our days look like if we prayed first? What if at work, when, when our secretary came in and said, you got, you got a nine o'clock appointment, great, before you send him in, let, let me just pray. God, I pray that you bless this meeting, that you would be here and that you would guide and you would direct and you would, you'd give me wisdom and, and, and prosper and favor, Lord, just, just bless this time. What would happen if in every area of our life we pray first? You know, before we go on a walk, pray first. Before we we drive anywhere, pray first. Before we go on a date with our wife, pray first. That in all areas of our life, we pray first. I'm just going to invite God into every single situation in my life. And so what we want to do today is we want to give you a little reminder of our rally cry, a reminder of the series that we're in. How many of you love free stuff? I love free stuff. I love going to sporting events. They give out free stuff. We've got these beautiful bracelets for you today. The worship team is going to hand them out right now. Just, just pass them out, get them out everywhere. And, and there's a little black bracelets that simply say, pray first. It's a little reminder that in everything, in every area, in every part of your day that you would stop and pray first. Now, how many say, say, say it with me? 
pray first. I mean, it's two words, easy to figure out, pray first. Now, I know some of you are thinking these bands are pretty tight. They, they were supposed to be one size fits all, and they're, they're a little small for some of us guys, and so we have the next size ordered. They'll be here in two weeks. Take a small one now. Uh, we'll get some more larger ones over the next couple weeks, but just, just, just take one. If it doesn't fit on your wrist, put it in your pocket and just use it as a reminder that In every area of our life, we pray first. Before you send that email, pray first. Before you post on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, pray first. How many know that would change some of the stuff we posted? I mean, if in every area of our life, we would just stop and pray first. So here's the verse that I want to teach you today. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, Paul says, Always be joyful. Verse 17, never stop praying. Never stop praying. That's a verse I would love you to memorize. One, it's easy. It's only three words. It's a verse that I think all of us can memorize. Never stop praying. But it's a great verse to live by. Now, now does that mean that we literally never leave you know, prayer? Like we, we stay on our knees like 24 hours a day. We never come out of our house. All we do is pray literally 24 hours a day. No, that's not what Paul's saying. Paul is saying, in every area of your life, in every situation, in everywhere you go, pray first. Never stop praying. Invite God into every situation in your life. Be thankful in all circumstances. Look at this. For this is God's will for you. What's God's will for my life? Pray first. That's God's will for your life. That in everything, you continually invite God that our rally cry becomes pray first. So in your notes, here's the thought for our rally cry. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. And, And here's the reason, and this is me included, but I don't know why, but we, we kind of have a habit of we act first and then we ask God to bail us out later. Is it just me or is that kind of a habit that we all have? We just, we, we, we act first and then pray later. And what I want us to do as a church is let's make a commitment that we pray first. We're not going to act first. We're going to pray for Pray first. There's a time for action. We need to act, but let's be people who pray first. Now, honestly, I I think church should be fun. I think church should be life-giving. I think there should be a lot of joy in church. I I think church needs to have a lot of God and a lot of coffee. I think that that makes church good. But every once in a while, I I need to be serious for a moment, and I need to look you in the eye. And and I need to ask, do you really know what's going on in the world? Like, Like, do you really know what's happening in the world today? Because our world's falling apart. We're We're in peril. Like, we have a, a, a moral decline in our nation, and it's not gradual. We are nosediving. We are running as far away from God as possible in our culture today. We are abandoning God's ways. I mean, we have airplanes being shot out of the sky. We have Christians being beheaded, tortured, and killed in the Middle East. I mean, you look at the intensity right now in the Middle East where, 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 where it seems all all be surrounding and it's all going to end there one day. And the question I get a lot, just a couple weeks ago, right after service, someone came up and asked me, are we in the end times? 
Like, are we in the end times? And the short answer is we've got to be. I mean, there's really no other explanation for what we're seeing and what we're dealing with and what we're, we're going through as a, as a culture and, and as a generation in the world we live in today. So here's the question. Then what do we do? Like, what do we do? If, if our world is falling apart, what can we do? Pray first. Pray first. Let me show you this in Scripture. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 At times, God says, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls. He's talking about a natural drought. This is a natural drought. But how many of you understand today we're experiencing a moral drought in our society? We're looking at a moral drought, a moral decay that's happening. Or I might command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Then it says, then if, and it's kind of like God's teasing, like, like I don't really know if they will, I'm not quite sure, but if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, like, like if they'll come back to me and they'll humble themselves and they'll pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will restore their land. And this is what's needed today. And you need to understand that you have a role. You've got a job. You've got an assignment. You have responsibility in it. And one of your major responsibilities is pray first. So what I want to do with today's message is, is I title it, Teach Us to Pray. Teach Us to Pray. Because I'm convinced most people would pray if they knew how. Like most of us would pray if we understood how to do it. But for so many of us, prayer is scary. I mean, it's like we feel like we're going to do it wrong. We're going to mess up. We don't know how to speak old King James. And so how's God going to listen to me if I don't know how to get all my these and thous and, and, and witheris, you know, into my prayer life? I mean, it's like, you know, and we just we get intimidated by prayer, to be honest. Most of us are intimidated by prayer. We think like, what? Well, How's God going to answer me? I mean, I grew up in the South. I talked about, you know, those prayer circles and we'd all hold hands and, and you hated being last in the circle because the entire time you're not listening to anyone else's prayer. You're thinking about what you're going to say when the circle comes to you. And, you know, they squeeze the hand when it's your turn and I'm sitting there and someone starts praying and I say, man, they just stole everything I was going to pray. They, they, they just prayed every, and I got nothing to say and it comes to me and I just kind of squeeze, 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 squeeze. I pass it on down and hope nobody notices, but it, it wasn't something I enjoyed growing up. I mean, to be honest with you, we talked about an hour prayer meeting. That was like the most dreadful thing in my life. Like, I don't want to go pray for an hour. I mean, that is just like intimidating, scary. I don't know how to do that. I'm not qualified. You know, I'm not capable. I don't have a degree. I don't know. I can't pray. And what I want to do today is, is help you understand. I want to get rid of all the excuses and dispel all the myths and let you see that prayer is one of the most powerful, life giving, practical, easy, exciting things you can do in your life. Like, like, I want to teach you how to pray in such a way that you actually fall in love with prayer. Like, this becomes one of the joys of your life. Like, meeting with God becomes one of your favorite things to do. Like, you, you, you get to the end of the hour and you're like, oh man, can I get 10 more minutes? I mean, I'm not done. I mean, I, I'm enjoying this. And that's my goal, is to get you to a place where you can really enjoy this. In Luke 11, verse 1, 
It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and next week we're going to talk a little bit about the certain place and, and kind of how do we work prayer into our life. It says he was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him. And, and, and I want you to, to understand that the disciples were Jewish kids. They grew up in the synagogue. One of the things that these disciples had to do as children is they had to memorize prayers. They were taught how to pray from early childhood. They, they memorized prayers. They grew up praying constantly. So these kids who knew how to pray, who memorized prayers, who grew up in the synagogue, came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Which is kind of funny to think. Because what really is going on is, is they're saying, Lord, teach us to pray like you. Like, like we don't want to just pray. We want to pray like you. When you pray, you seem like you're enjoying it. Like you actually love getting to spend time with your dad. We don't want to just pray. We want to pray like you. How do we pray like you pray? Because when you do it, things happen. I mean, it's like it energizes you. It refreshes you. You, you enjoy it. You come back fired up. We, don't, we pray. We, we get bored. We fall asleep. We dread it. We got like a, you know, we're planning the list for everything we need to do this week. We're, we're, something's not working. We're, we're not doing it right. Teach us to do it like you do it. And Jesus goes on to give us one of the most powerful prayers in the Bible. But what I want you to understand is he's saying pray in this manner. Jesus never intended you to memorize and recite the Lord's Prayer. That was never his purpose. Unfortunately, what we've done with the Lord's Prayer is we've turned it into something that we memorize and we recite like a parrot, and we're missing it. Jesus never intended this to be memorized and recited. That takes all the life and the meaning out of it. What Jesus was doing is he was teaching like a rabbi. And the way the rabbis would teach is is they would give you points. They would basically give you an outline to follow. He's saying, when you pray, this is the outline to follow in prayer. It's not about memorizing and reciting this. It's about studying the outline. And if you'll follow this very simple outline and this very simple plan, your prayer life's going to come to life. It's going to be amazing. And so in Matthew 6, he gives us this outline. He says, our Father in heaven. First thing I want you to do is spend some time there. Then he says, hallowed be your name. Then, then, then spend some time with that for a little while. That's the second point in the outline. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Spend some time and deal with that. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Spend some time on that. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. He gives us this beautiful, wonderful, amazing, very practical, very simple outline to follow in our prayer life. And this has been one of the greatest revelations to me in my prayer life. And what I want to encourage you is I want you to hang on to these notes this week. I don't want you to lose the notes this week. I want you to keep the notes from today's message. And I want you to take the notes into your prayer time this week. And I want you to just commit 10 minutes to 15 minutes a day and just go through these seven points of this outline. 
Just spend a couple minutes on each point of this outline, and I guarantee you're going to see your prayer life just, just go to another level. You, you're going you're to find a joy and intensity and a passion in prayer that you never thought possible if you just follow this. Just take 10, 15 minutes a day and follow this outline. So let's jump into it. Let's look at this outline that Jesus gave us. First thing is our Father in heaven. It's the first point of the outline, our Father in heaven. So number one in your notes, connect with God relationally. Connect with God relationally. See, a lot of us are trying to connect with God formally. Oh, uh, heavenly, greatest, father, majestic, you know, being in the sky. Jesus said, no, no, no. His favorite title is dad. When you pray, start your prayer time by calling him dad, by saying father. That, that's what he likes. And that's actually the basis of understanding why he's going to listen to you anyways. Do you realize when Jesus said, our father, that was the most shocking, radical, and sacrilegious thing he could have told first century Jews? See, we don't understand the impact of what he's saying there, but what he's saying, what, what he's saying is one of the reasons he got killed, because it was total apostasy. You don't call God Father. He is much too great, much too distant, much too you know, amazing for you as, as a little bitty human being to be on personal terms with. And Jesus basically turned the world upside down when he said these two words. He basically said Christianity is the exact opposite of what religion is. Religion is this formal, I've got to try really hard, I've got to do all these rules, I've got to be really good because I'm scared that God doesn't, you know, you know, like God doesn't really like me and so I've got to do all this stuff to get him to like me. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 the whole reason he listens to you is because he's your dad and he loves you. It's not because you're good, it's not because you work really hard, it's not because you obeyed the Ten Commandments perfectly this week. He listens to your prayer because he's your dad and he loves you our Father in heaven. You got to connect to him relationally. The key is relationally, not formally. Come to him as your dad. You know, there's nothing better. My son, he's six years old now, and he's kind of, he's starting to grow up. We're still kind of in that stage where I'll sit on the couch, and he'll crawl up in my lap, and there's nothing better in life than just, just him wanting to be close to me. And that's God. You see, prayer is not just for you. Prayer is for him. God wants to spend time with you. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but God loves you so much, and he wants to spend time with you so badly that he allowed his own son to die so that he could connect to you relationally. He doesn't want to be distant. If he wanted to be distant, there would have never been a cross. There would have never been Jesus on the earth dying in our place. He would have formed some religion for us to follow. But he said, no, I want to get rid of religion. I want relationship. I don't want to be your religion. I want to be your dad. So why Paul says in Romans chapter 8, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. See, a fearful slave, that's religion. Oh, I better, I better do really good this week because I don't know if God's going to listen to me. I, you know, I want God to answer my prayer, but I don't know if I'm working hard enough. I mean, that's, that's a fearful slave. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. See, if you don't understand adoption, you'll never understand Christianity. See, adoption is the key to Christianity. When, when you adopt a newborn baby, it has nothing to do with how hard that baby is working. Nothing at all. 
That newborn baby oftentimes has no idea what's going on. Adoption is initiated by the love of the parent, love of the father, not, not, not the work or the performance or the effort of the child. See, Christianity has nothing to do with your performance or your effort or how hard you try or how hard you work. It has everything to do with the initiating love of a father who adopts us. So he, he doesn't want you to just come drop off a list of, of things that, that you, know, you need him to do for you. He wants to spend time with you. So Paul says, so we call him Abba Father. In the Hebrew, Abba is like the most endearing term you could call your dad. It's like Papa or Daddy. Jesus is saying that's, where, that's how you begin your prayer life is you just recognize that he's your dad. He loves you. You need to connect to him relationally. If you don't start there, nothing else matters. That's the starting point, not just for this prayer, but for all prayer. The entire reason God listens to us is because he's our dad and he loves us. Then Jesus goes on to say, the second thing we do is, number two, worship his name. Hallowed be your name. Worship his name. Spend some time worshiping the name of God, the names of God. We, we sang about his name earlier. I'm going to worship his name. Well, well what, are, what, what are the names of God? See, there's power in the name. See, if you've, you've got you know, children at home, three or four children, and, and you try to send one of them in to the other kids, you go, go, go tell them to pick up their toys. And they go in there and they say, you guys need to pick up your toys. How many know? They're not going to listen. But if you send them and you say, now go tell them, dad says, pick up your toys. There's now authority because there's power in the name. You need to spend some time worshiping the names of God for your sake. You, you need to understand who he is. Worship his name. Worship his name. Proverbs 18.10. God's name, his name is a place of protection. The righteous can run there and be saved. So what are the names of God? Let, let me give you just a few of the names that I go through in prayer. Here, look at this, a few of the names. Righteousness. God's name is Righteousness. That's his name. You know, when you're born, you're given a last name by birth. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, we call that in Christianity being born again. When you're born again, you get a new last name, and that last name is righteousness. You become righteous, not because you're good, not because you try really hard, but because our dad's name is righteousness. Our dad is healer. He's the healer. I don't have to fear sickness or disease because his name is healer. He's shepherd. I can go to him for advice and guidance, and he can shepherd my life. He's provider. I don't have to worry about being in need because my God, his name is provider. And I worship the fact that he is a provider. He is sanctifier. He's the banner of victory. I don't have to worry about any attack of Satan because he is. His name means banner of victory. That's one of his names. His name is peace, Jehovah Shalom. In a world full of anxiety and stress and depression, my God's name is peace. And if I have my God, I have peace. See, peace isn't the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God. That's what peace is. Peace is not having no problems in your life. Peace is having God in the middle of problems because his name is peace. Hey, here's a beautiful one. I love this. God's name is there. His name is literally there. I am there. Psalm 139. Where can I go? Can I go to the highest heavens or the, the lowest depths of the earth? He's there. There's nowhere I can go where he's not there. That means I don't have to worry because he is there. He will always be there. Then Jesus says, move on to this. And he really likes this one. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Notice that word, your. Your. God doesn't want to be dumped on as if he doesn't know what's going on in your life. See, a lot of us, we, we bring this list to God in prayer. And God, I don't, I don't know if, if you've been paying attention or not, but I need to fill you in on some stuff I'm dealing with because I don't think you've been watching. And, and I think so many times we get to this place where we, we get out our, our list, like, God, God, this is my list. And, and Jesus is saying, before you get out your list, number three, pray his agenda first. Pray his agenda first. In every relationship that really matters to you in life, every relationship that you really value, you always focus on their agenda before you focus on your agenda. You focus on their agenda before you focus on your agenda. So let me say it like this. God has a prayer list. Pray it. He likes it. He wants you to pray his list before you pull out your list. So, so what's God's prayer list? Let, let me summarize it like this. Others. God's concerned about others. He's concerned about people that don't know him. He's concerned about his children that are struggling and hurting. He, he, he's concerned that when you spend some time praying for the Israelis and praying for the Palestinians and praying for the, for the people of Ukraine and praying for the, the children that live in our orphanage in Mexico and you spend some time praying for the ark churches that we're planning across America and you spend some time praying for the people of our community who don't yet know him as father and don't yet have a relationship with him and you spend some time praying and God comes along and says, really, this, this, is, this is incredible. All the needs that you currently have going on in your life and you're going to spend some time praying about all of this first. I love that. I love that God says. Matthew 6 says it like this, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else is going to be taken care of. See, see, if you'll pray his agenda first, if you'll seek him first, He'll take care of everything else. Look, look at Luke 12, 31 in the Living Bible. I love this. It says, he will always give you all you need from day to day if, if, there's an if, if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. He's, he's going to take care of you. But pray his agenda first. Put, put his will First, so, so I pray for others. I, I pray for our elected officials. Pray for our president, our mayor, our governor. Uh, I pray for our church. Even before I get into my needs, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God will bless you and your marriage and your career and praying for the church and praying for our community. Then we get into our need. Then we get into our list. And Jesus says, now move to the next point of the outline. Give us this day our daily bread. What I love about this is Jesus doesn't say, give us this month. He doesn't say, give us this week. He says, give us this day. Jesus is saying, you need to go to my dad every day about everything. You need to pester him all the time. He likes it. He wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. You don't need to be, oh, I don't want to bother God with that. He's got much more important things to do. No, he wants to be bothered with that. Jesus said, daily do this. Not, not weekly, not monthly. Go to him every day with everything. And I know some of us are thinking, well, I really don't have, have any needs right now. There's nothing I really need right now. Yeah, but do it anyways. Do it anyways. Pray as if you did have it as needs. Pray as if everything you had was still a need. See, the big mistake that we make is we only go to him when we need something, as opposed to recognizing that everything we have came from him anyways. So I pray, God, give me, give, give me a place to sleep, even though I know I have a home. and I, I mean, it, it could be wiped out this afternoon. 
So God, provide for me today. Provide food for me today. Provide my job for me. Provide for me in every, pray as if, pray as if you needed it all. So number four, depend on him for everything. Depend on him for everything because you need to communicate to him that everything you have is because of him and from him. And before everything we pray first, God likes it when you bring him into everything. God wants to be a part of every little area of your life. He's not some distant being that doesn't have time for you. He wants to be involved in your life. He loves you passionately and he wants to take care of every little need that you have. I love Psalm 121. David says it like this. I look up to the mountains. Now, the mountains would be the seat of government. Jerusalem is in the mountains. It's at the, the height of the mountains. And so what David is talking about by looking up in the mountains, he's saying, I look to the government. I'm looking to the government. Does my help come from there? No. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Then Jesus goes on to the next point of the outline. He says, don't forget this part. Forgive us, God. As we forgive others, forgive us as we forgive others. And to sum it up, number five, we need to get your heart right. Two places with God and others. Get your heart right with God and with others. So here's how I pray. You don't have to do it this way, but I encourage you to find some form of doing it this way. Lord, don't let me become desensitized to sin. Don't let me get so used to the culture that we live in that, 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 that I begin to do things that offend you, God. God, search my heart. Know me. Look at my, 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 my deepest thoughts. Is there anything in my life, God, that offends you? And this isn't fun to pray because he'll show you right here. Oh, okay, okay God, I got it. I got it. I got it. You know, he'll show you. I mean, if you, if you genuinely say, God, is there anything in my heart? Is there anything in my life right now that offends you? Search my heart. God, I want my heart to be right with you. And then, God, I want my heart to be right with others. I, I, I want to forgive. I'm going to forgive them now. I know someone's going to make me mad on the freeway this morning, so I'm just going to forgive them now so I don't get mad later. So one of the things I do is I forgive people in advance. I, I encourage you, just forgive them in advance. I mean, you know someone's going to tick you off today. So just forgive them now so that when it happens, you've already forgiven them. And they're like, man, what, what, what's wrong with you? Man, I forgave you before I even saw you. I knew something was going to happen today. So I forgave you before I even saw you. I mean, get your heart right with God and get your heart right with others. People are going to notice. Your kids are going to notice. Man, what's up with dad? He's different. Must be that, that 15 minute little prayer thing that they're teaching him to do at church. I mean, he's just, he's, di- he's more patient. He's, he's calm. There's, there's, he's gentle. I mean, something's different with dad. People are going to notice. People are going to notice if you do this. Get your heart right with God. God, is there anything in my life that offends you? And get your heart right with others. 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. So do this every day. Get right with God. Get right with others. Then Jesus goes to a fun one. He says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And God doesn't lead anyone to temptation. So it doesn't mean God's going to lead people to temptation. What it literally means is don't let me be led into temptation. God today, I'm going to have a chance to sin. 
There's going to be an opportunity today for me to sin. So right now, God, I'm praying that when that opportunity comes in my life, you'll give me the courage and strength to make a wise decision, a good decision, and that I'll live for you. Even now, I know Satan is devising a strategy to kill me. He hates my guts. And I know some of you have a hard time uh, with, with, with this whole concept of spiritual warfare. But let me just say, if you're not fighting against the devil every single day, then he's working harder than you. Because prayer is not just communion with God. Prayer is also confrontation with the devil. And so number six, engage in spiritual warfare. And I don't want to freak you out about this, but you need to know it's real. There is spiritual warfare going on right now. There is an enemy that wants to destroy your marriage, that wants to destroy your career, that wants to destroy your children, and you need to fight them. And I know it sounds like some weird sci-fi movie, but, but look at this. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So if this exists, then I need to take a stand every single day against the devil. I, I, need, I need to fight a spiritual battle, not a flesh and blood battle, but a spiritual battle. And I need to do this daily. So I just, Jesus, right now, I just come before you. I know Satan is devising a plan to destroy my marriage. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray protection over my marriage. I pray protection over my children. Satan's trying to destroy my children's life. He's trying to kill them. He's trying to get them involved in addictions and issues and bondages. Right now, God, I, I come against that in the name of Jesus. Protect my children. Put the blood of Jesus around them. God, I just, I just fight right now against the devil in the name of Jesus Christ. See, it's not some weird thing. It's not some, some, some you know, it's just taking the authority that we have. It doesn't need to scare you. You just need to work harder than the devil's working to destroy you. Get in God's presence. Fight using the name of Jesus Christ. Then Jesus ends the prayer where he began the prayer. For yours, God is the kingdom. God, it's your kingdom. It's not my kingdom. I'm not doing this for me, God. I'm doing all this for you. It's, it's about your kingdom, not my kingdom. God, and it's your power. It's not, it's not about my power. It's not because I prayed that any of this has happened. It's your power, God. You're the one that has to do all this. I, I, my job's to pray. Your job's to answer. I, I've got the easy job. I just ask God. He's got the hard job. He's got to make it happen. It's your power, God. It's not my power. It's not my ability. It's not what I need. It's your power. For yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory. God, it's about your glory. It's not about my glory. It's about you. I want you to get all the glory from my life. So he goes right back to God. None of this happens because I prayed. It all happens because of you. It's all because of you. So number seven, express faith in God's ability. Express faith in God's event. Close every prayer time with faith in God. God, you're awesome. God, you're not shocked. You got this taken care of. I don't need to worry. Nothing I prayed today made you nervous. You're not shocked. You're not surprised about anything I'm dealing with, about anything I'm going through. You've got this covered. So let me give you two great verses to close your prayer time with. Jeremiah 32, 17. Oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and earth. By your strong hand and your powerful arm. And then look at this last six words. I love this. Nothing is too hard for you. 
Nothing is too, everything I prayed, God, none of it's too hard for you. You got it covered. You can do any of it. It's your strong hand. It's your powerful arm. It's not me. It's you, God. And nothing is too hard for you. You're not nervous about any of this. See, that's how you need to close your prayer time. You come back to faith in his ability. And then I love finishing with Revelations 5.13. To him who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. It's all about him. It's all for him. We live for him. My life is his. He bought me. He purchased me. So it's not my problems that I'm dealing with. It's his problems. He owns me. God, these aren't my problems. They're your problems. You need to take care of it because you bought me. So I'm yours. And all I got to do is continually on a daily basis surrender my life to him and go where he leads me. Because he's going to take care of it. So I want to encourage you to do this. Take these notes home. Keep them this week. Spend 10 to 15 minutes a day just going through each of these points. Just spend two to three minutes on each of these points. And I guarantee it'll revolutionize your prayer life. It'll revolutionize your prayer life. It is the most practical, life-giving way to pray. Just spend a little bit on point one, a little bit on point two, a little bit on point three. It'll begin to make some major changes in your life. I mean, you start going through this stuff. God, search my heart. Is there anything in me that offends you? God, I want to pray your agenda before I pray my agenda. I want to pray what's on your prayer list. Let me pray your prayer list first. Then we'll, then we'll deal with my prayer list. God, take care of every little thing, God. My daily bread, my daily needs, everything I'm facing, everything. I'm, God, take care of it. God, I want to worship your name for a little while. Your name is righteousness. Your name is sanctified. You're the, you're the healer, the banner of victory. You're, you're the God who's there. I just want to worship that name there. You're there for me, God. I'm telling you, this will revolutionize your prayer life. You'll love prayer. I want you to fall in love with prayer. I I want you spending time with God to be your most favorite time of the day. It's just spending this time with God. But for most of us, we just need a plan. We need a plan because it's intimidating to try to go, what am I supposed to say? How do I, what am I supposed to follow this simple plan? And I guarantee your prayer life is is, going to change and you're going to love it. Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? Before we leave today, that that first point kept coming back in my spirit, just our Father. Because I think some there's some people here today, some of you are sitting here thinking, you know what, I, I don't feel close to God. I feel so distant from God right now. Like I feel like God is way up there in the you know the, the top of the universe and I'm way down here and I don't to be honest, I, I don't feel close to God. I just I, I feel distant. I don't feel like he's my dad. I mean, honestly, I don't even feel like he's my God. I just feel so distant and disconnected. And let me say, you don't have to stay that way. You can know him as your father. But there's only one way to get there, and that's through Jesus. The only way for God to become your father is you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. There's no other way. There's no other way. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't follow a religion to get there. You simply surrender your life to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I want you to take charge. I want to give you my life. And Jesus opens the door for you to have a relationship with his dad. And that's the only way. 
And you can leave here today being close to the Father. You, you can leave. And see, that's the beautiful thing. God doesn't want to be your religion. He wants to be your dad. He never planned on building a religion. He came to build a family. And to this day, that's all he wants is family. He doesn't want religion. He won't want your, your, your religious service. He wants you to be a son or daughter. He wants to be your dad. He wants you to be a part of his family. That's what he's looking for. And so if you're here today and, and, and you're saying, you know what? I'd like to do that. I, I really would. I, I want to know God. I want him to be my dad. I want him to be my father. And I, and I get the fact that that word father and dad is tough for some of you who had fathers that really weren't great here on earth. I'm, I'm one of them. I struggled for years to know him as father because of the stuff my dad did. But let me just say, he's a perfect father that'll never fail you, that'll never abuse you, and that'll never hurt you. And I know sometimes that word is a tough word to, to hear and say, but you just need to know he's not like your earthly dad. He's a dad that'll love you, that'll be close to you, that'll never hurt you, that'll never betray you, that'll never abuse you or abandon you. And so if you're here today and you say, you know what, I need to surrender my life to Christ. Or, you, you know, some of you may at one point have been close to God and you've just allowed things to, to distance you. You've allowed things to separate you. And you're here today saying, you know what, it's time for me to come back home. I need to go back to where I belong, and that's in relationship with him. So if you're in either situation, I want to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. Uh, you don't even have to pray this out loud. If you pray this in your heart, God is listening to your heart this morning. He can hear your heart. But I'd like to know just for a moment who I'm praying with. So with every eye closed, out of respect, if you'd like to join me in that simple prayer today of just you know surrendering your life to Christ and really getting to know uh, God is your father. Would you just, with no one looking around, just slip up your hand quickly so that I know who I'm praying with. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Just slip up your hand so you know I'm going to join you in that prayer today. Thank you. Thank you. Proud of you guys for making that decision. The prayer is simple. Just in your heart right now, say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I surrender my life to you. Say, Jesus, forgive me for every area of my life where I've missed it. I've made mistakes. Just forgive me. And he absolutely will. And then the last part of the prayer is, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for rescuing me, for saving me, for inviting me to be a part of your family, letting me know your dad is my dad. Thank you, Jesus. You can look up for a moment. If you prayed with me today, I want to encourage you to take one more step on your own, on your connection card. There's two boxes. One says I'm committing my life to Christ. One says I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. You made the greatest decision you'll ever make today. We want to know about it so we can pray for you, support you. We'll send you an email that gives you a clear path. And the best thing you can do today is come to our Essentials 201 class because today at 1230, we've got lunch taken care of. We're going to train you with the four key habits, the four essential habits that every person following Christ needs to have in their life. So if you've never been to our 201 class before, we ask that everyone in our church go through 201 at least one time to really learn the four habits you need to really serve Christ with, 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 with your whole heart and your whole life. So join us today, 201, 1230 in our family center. We'd love to have you. Would you stand with me as we close today? If you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, we give away Bibles every single week. It's our favorite thing to do as a church. This book, God's Word, will absolutely change your life. 
And so if you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, please take one today. We would be thrilled if you took a copy of the Bible today. Father, in the name of Jesus, teach us, God, to pray. As the disciples said, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. So let these these seven points of a, of a simple prayer outline that you gave 2,000 years ago, let it come to life inside of us. Let it energize and refresh and revolutionize our prayer life and take us into a closeness with you that we never even dreamt or imagined possible. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Hope you can join us tomorrow at 630.